This is Perinax podcast number 49, and today we're talking about experimental setups with wind turbines and how to correct their blockage ratios. So in podcast number 39, I talked about wind tunnels and blockage ratios in general, but this podcast talks about wind turbines because they have a very special type of blockage ratio, and we'll talk about why that is and what the challenges are when you actually are investigating different wind turbine setups in wind tunnels because they are quite challenging. So to look into this, we're going to look into a paper called Effect of Wind Tunnel Blockage on the Performance of a Horizontal Axis Wind Turbine with Different Blade Numbers. And this is an open access paper. You can find it in the link in the description. And a horizontal axis wind turbine is just a typical wind turbine that you see everywhere. Like, you know, it's a quintessential wind turbine that just has a, a pole going up and then these blades coming out and it goes around and around. And the reason why the blockage ratio is important is because when you put the wind turbine into an, a wind tunnel, first of all, usually you need to scale it because wind turbines are huge. And in actually our previous podcast, number 48, we talk about that. So if you want to look into the scaling, you can look into that podcast. This is about blockage ratios. But also, the because they are so big and you scale it down, they usually take up a lot of space anyway because you still want to get some sort of Reynolds number of similarities. So they can present a lot of problems. And the interesting thing about wind turbines, particularly the horizontal axis type, are that they the blockage ratio, so with a typical object that you put into a wind tunnel, such as an airplane or a wing or a, a car or whatever, something that doesn't move, you, you stick it in and it stays there. The area that it takes up is fixed so it, if it's let's say a wing it might take up half a square meter or something and you can just find out the blockage ratios quite easily from that with wind turbines it's very different so the wind turbines go around and they sweep an area out with their blades and that entire area plus the area that the rest of the geometry takes up is factored into the blockage ratio area so even though the actual wind turbine itself doesn't take up that much room when it's stationary, when it starts moving, it does. So that results in a higher uh, blockage ratio, which can cause problems. If you listen to podcast number 39, you'll, you'll know about that. And they say that uh, in this paper, they open up saying that not only is this blockage ratio um, something to keep in mind, the reason why it's important is because in nature, when you have your wind turbine out in the wild, as it's supposed to be, <laughs> it, it um, doesn't have any bounding walls to its structure. So the, the air that hits the wind turbine, some of it goes through, other, other parts of it expands and goes around. So the actual turbine doesn't see the entire air that's coming in from upstream. Some of it actually goes around and you're not extracting energy out of that. In a wind tunnel, though, you have bounded walls. And this means that the flow can't really move around the wind turbine as it would in nature. So some of it, some more of it will go through. And that means you get a, effectively a wrong result in terms of how much power this wind turbine will be producing. You also get different effects. They say uh, here, the um, well, these bounding walls, some effects, they cause the change in the actual flow velocity entering the road of, of the wind turbine and the generation of non-uniform flows in the span-wise and vertical directions due to poor, the poor production of secondary recirculation inside the test chambers. So there are these recirculations around these wind turbines, but because you have these bounded walls, that cuts off these secondary circulations and it's not mimicking real-life conditions. 
And these lead to what's called solid blockage and wake blockage effects. So solid blockage and wake blockage, let's quickly talk about those two difference, those two different effects. Solid blockage occurs when you have the actual solid object blocking the flow. Wake blockage is how the wake is able to expand and break down downstream. And that is going to affect the, up, the upstream as well, particularly when you have a, a incompressible flow. So the information can travel upstream still. So the wake blockage is also an effect and it is uh, changing the flow physics around the rest of the wind turbine as well upstream. And they say that as the wind, so they talk about um, how much energy is being extracted. They say that as the wind turbine is placed in a bounded domain in a wind tunnel, the velocity and pressure fields are confined within the stream tubes entering the rotor. And they will, so that means that the stream tube upstream of the rotor will contract with respect to the free field case, which leads to an increase in the working mass flow. So in other words, more flow is going through the, the wind turbine. And that results in a higher efficiency and it breaks something called the Betts law or the Betts limit. So the Betts limit for wind turbines, determine it, it is effectively a limit where it says you can't extract more energy than this amount from a wind turbine. And that is a hard number. That is, I think it's 59. 3%, I think, something like that. It's around 60%. And Betts limit is considered like it's it's a law, you can't break it. And in winter wind tunnels, when you put wind turbines in, you are breaking it. That's because you're being able to force more flow through the wind turbine than what will happen in real life. And you can break that law. So let's talk about Betts limit and why that occurs. So Betts limit, um, as it puts a limit on how much energy you can extract from the flow. And you might be thinking, why can't you just extract 100%? I mean, obviously you have mechanical losses, but let's say you don't have any mechanical losses and you just have the aerodynamics of it. Why can't you extract 100% of the energy out of a flow as it goes through the wind turbine? Well, that last part is the problem as it goes through. If you were to extract all the energy out of the flow, the flow would then go to zero. It would have no velocity. It would become stationary. So then you have the flow in the wind turbine um, sweeping area and it'll just be stationary now. It has to move out of the way for the rest of the flow, the oncoming flow to now go through again and more flow coming through. If it doesn't move out of the way, then you can't extract more power. So that's why you have this um, upper limit and the, you can't extract 100%. But why it's at 60% or 59.3% is because as the flow goes through, even though you, you may not extract all the energy out. Let's say you try to extract 80% of the energy out. That means that the flow now is has dropped dramatically in terms of its velocity. So it's much slower. And it still impacts the rest of the flow from upstream trying to get through the wind turbine. And this flow that's currently in the wind turbine has to move out of the way in order to make more energy or to, to extract more energy. So by it being too slow, you can't do that. You can't extract more energy. So that's why there's this upper limit, 59.3% where you can't get more energy than that out of a flow because if you do then the velocity drops in too much and the wind turbine will really stop working it, it doesn't make sense because the flow can't get out of the way so that's the best limit let's get back to the wind turbine section now the best limit is very important for wind turbines and that plays a factor let's talk about general wind turbines now a bit more so they say the wake behind the wind turbine is not allowed to expand as it would in free field conditions when it's in a wind tunnel so that's why you get these blockage um, effects. So this paper, they want to look into 
how the wind tunnel blockage affects the wind turbine's performance, and more importantly, how to correct for it so that you can actually mimic real life. Because when you design wind turbines, when you put them in series, like you put them, staggering them or whatever, we want to, before we put them out in the field, we want to get a good idea as to how much energy we're going to be producing. If you're getting false results from the wind tunnel, then that's not going to be good when you put it into real life practice. And they, to do this, they're looking at three and five blade wind turbines. Now, wind turbines are quite cool. Like, um, actually, if you if you want to see cool wind turbines in action, there's a city in Germany, in West Germany, of the west of Germany, not, not West Germany. There's no such thing as West Germany anymore. <laughs> in the west of Germany called Aachen. And it's quite a hilly terrain. And on the top of the hills, on the ridge line, they have these wind turbines and I was there quite a few years ago and it was really, really picturesque. Now that I'm saying this, I don't know why I'm, I'm telling you this. It's not that important, but anyway, let's move on. So they're looking at um, three and five blade wind turbines, which are quite normal. And they're looking at understanding the effect of the turbine's rotor speed on the blockage ratio itself. This is another important parameter. So how fast these blades are going around. The, they say that the powered the power coefficients that they measure and the tip uh, speed ratios are corrected using two different methods to determine what, what uh, is suitable in terms of blockage corrections. Now the tip speed ratio is the ratio of the tip speed, the tangential velocity, divided by the free stream velocity. And this is a measure of its, the efficiency of the wind turbine. So, they want to correct these power coefficients with these two correction methods to determine whether we can actually mimic real life conditions and correct for this blockage ratio, these blockage effects. Now I should note here, as I note, noted in podcast number 39, even if you do correct for the um, whatever parameter you're looking at, whether that's the drag coefficient, lift coefficient, power um, production, whatever, you're correcting that number. You're not correcting the flow physics behind it. So the flow physics will always be different no matter how good that number will line up after the correction. Why this is a problem is because, okay, if you want to know how much, how well your object is doing, that's fine. You can then use this correction factor. But if you want to then look at how to make it better, well, then the correction factor doesn't really hold any water because you need to understand the flow physics in order to make an object better. So that's where blockage ratios do break down in terms of their, their usefulness. It's really only the end result of my power extracted is this much or my drag coefficient is this much or whatever. So in the rest of this paper, they then do their experiments and then they, they compare the uncorrected values, their corrected values, and the theoretical and the measured real life power coefficients to determine whether their correction factors are right or not. Let's go into the experimental setup to how they solve this problem. So they say that the blades of their um, wind turbines have a constant pitch angle. So that's how much they're, they're twisted. No, not, I should be careful with saying twist. I'll explain in a second how much they're pitched. Twist is, is something different and usually it means whether the um, actual blade itself has been twisted. Imagine you get a a piece of paper or something and you twist one end and you make one end at a different angle attack to the other end. That's wing twist. So you should be careful when I talk about that. Anyway, 
they um, these wind turbines they produce 2.8 kilowatts, which is very small, even though obviously they're not real size, so that's a normal thing, a normal amount in, in um, experiments. And they said the wind turbine, the wind tunnel, sorry, was a closed loop wind tunnel and driven by a 375 kilowatt electric motor. I've seen bigger. Anyway, the wind speed uh, can be increased up to 47 meters per second. And interestingly, this is one interesting thing here. They say that the honeycomb upstream of the test section kept the turbulence level below 0.4%. Now, that's a very low terms density level for a, an environmental wind tunnel. So just a wind engineering wind tunnel, which you use for uh, wind turbines and buildings and whatever. Now, this tells me that this is not a wind engineering wind tunnel. This is actually an aerodynamic wind tunnel. And if you want to learn more about terms densities, uh, we talk about in a few of our podcasts, actually, wind tunnel engineering. But the reason why terms density is important here is because of how terms density affects the width, the aerodynamic performance of a airfoil. So in podcast number 30, I talk about how the terms density does affect an airfoil's performance. And if you want to know more, you go look at that podcast. But just briefly here, if you have a different terms density, Level, the um, airfoil performance will be different, which means that you're going to have a different power extraction from your wind turbine. So that's something to keep in mind here. Another really interesting thing that they talk about, they say that, that the blockage ratio was 14.5%. That's massive for a conventional, for a aerodynamic blockage ratio. For a wind engineering blockage ratio, that's fairly okay. Now, interestingly, because of how you calculate the blockage ratio with a wind turbine where it sweeps around a, an area and that area is then factored in. I think that this blockage ratio is probably um, okay because you're sort of got a um, like a, like an overestimation to begin with anyway. Now they talk about the correction factors. I'm going to go through them briefly because they're math, mostly mathematic. If you want to look at the maths, the um, equations, just download the paper. It's in the description, so you can play along at home. So first of all, the first blockage ratio is their correction factor is quite good. They say that um, they factor in three different um, effects. The first is the upstream wind velocity. Sorry, sorry, the um, corrected velocity due to jet expansion. The second is the corrected velocity due to the nozzle blockage. And the third is corrected velocity due to the collector blockage. So they have three different components that they're determining. And generally speaking, the more you can break down the blockage ratio into these different components and more components that affect your test section, the more accurate it will be because you, then you can tweak each one to suit what you, you have. Often there will be some ratios between them and some relationships, but it's better just to break it down if you can to get more accurate. And here's a, a picture of this, their wind turbines here for those of you playing along at home. They have their three axis, their three blade and the five blade. They look very similar to what you find in real life. And along with that correction factor, they also have a different correction factor, which is a very simplistic one. They call it the so-called blockage factor, which is just the correction of the wind speed overall, and they don't go into all the nitty-gritty details. So they have two different um, two different equations of, of different accuracy, you'd think. So let's get to the results, how they solve this thing. For all the studied wind speeds, they say, the blockage factor decreased with the increasing tip speed ratio, except for the lowest wind speed of six meters per second. So that's interesting. When they had a, the, these wind turbines were spinning faster, the blockage factor decreased. So that's pretty interesting. 
and they say that uh, the blockage factor slightly increased up to a tip, a, a tip speed ratio, which I mentioned earlier, of two and then decreased. So let's look at the figure here. They have the blockage factor on the y-axis and on the x-axis they have the tip speed ratio. And what you find is for all three um, velocities that they tested at, six meters per second, seven meters per second, and eight meters per second, as the tip speed ratio increased, so these tips were going faster on the wind turbine, the blockage factor dropped. However, after about six minutes per second, it sort of plateaued a little bit. And they also have the thrust coefficient as well, and it shows a similar sort of thing where um, as the thrust coefficient increases, the blockage factor reduces. And they say that um, the thrust coefficient increased and the air was more and more forced to flow around the rotor. So in principle, this effect should be reduced in an open test chamber wind tunnel with respect to a closed one. Now, interestingly, they say that uh, with the blockage factor correction, it typically asymptotes to about 0 0.88. So in other words, if you drop the if you drop these values by 12%, then you're going to get very similar results to what you what you should be getting. Now they looked, that was for the three blade. For the five blade, they also had the same trend. However, they say that the rotation effects described above in a three-blade uh, wind turbine were observed here, but with a stronger impact. They say for all cases, the blockage factor decreased with increasing tip speed ratio, like the three-blade three wind turbine, and the blockage factors were still very similar. However, the effect of rotation was far stronger for the five-blade, which kind of makes sense considering that the five-blade is going to be working or taking more energy out of the flow than the three-blade. And they say that the asymptotic behavior happened later. So at eight minutes per second instead of six minutes per second. Oh, sorry, it's the vice versa. So in other words, the more blades you have, the quicker the, the asymptote of the blockage factor will occur. They say that with the blockage, because of the higher inlet velocity in the evaluation of the measured power coefficients and tip speed ratios, the power coefficient values for the three wind speeds, so the six minutes per second, seven minutes per second, and eight minutes per second, in these figures below, approached the best limit and even crossed it, which is physically impossible without these blockage effects. So they have these, these uh, figures here and they plot the power coefficients with the tip speed ratios. And for the uncorrected values, so the measured ones, they, for the um, for the six and seven meters per second values, they cross the bets limit quite a lot. So above 59.3%. In reality, a wind turbine shouldn't be more around 40%. So it's way too high. However, once they, they um, corrected their uh, power coefficients, these with both correction factors, they approximated the calculated one far better for both wind speeds as well. So that's quite interesting. Their correction factors, even though their flow physics is not going to be corrected, the results that they got were quite good and they were quite robust across the tip speed ratios and across the velocities that they tested, six or seven minutes per second. Obviously these two wind speeds are quite similar. So maybe once you go to 20 minutes per second or two minutes per second, maybe they may not hold up, but at the moment they do hold up quite well and they are quite consistent. They say that the blockage correction of the measured power coefficient the characteristic curves to almost the same levels of calculated ones, which is obviously more realistic than B 
being above bet's limit or even being close to bet's limit. It should be well below that. But with their, with their calculated power coefficients, they're still reaching over 45%, which is very good. Now, obviously, a lot of that would be the, a lot of the um, difference between the 45% and the best limit of 60% is due to the mechanical energy losses. You can't have 100% efficiency. So I just want to stop here and make sure to, before we go on, just tell you to check out our instrumentation we do here at Primarix, check out the courses we do. And our instrumentation, we do the Atmosphere Hawk, which accurately measures the density of air in your wind uh, tunnels or any experiments you do. The reason why this is important is because depending on the day, the temperature, barometric pressure, and humidity can change your density quite easily by 2 or 3% up or down. There's no day really where your density is going to be 1.2 kilograms per meter cubed or the 1.225 that people assume. Every day is going to be different. So your values that you measure are going to be 2 or 3% wrong, effectively, at least. Our atmosphere Hawk measures the temperature and barometric pressure and humidity very accurately and gives you a very accurate density now so you get rid of that error. That's not only good for your experimental values and your uh, overall conclusions, it's also good when you want to use this data to validate your work, such as your CFD. So make sure to check out Atmosphere Hawk, check out our other instrumentation as well, and check out our courses we do. Links in the description. So let's move on with the, the paper here, with the topic. So now they have the five blade wind turbines, the power coefficients that they calculated, that they measured, calculated, and corrected. Again, interestingly here, actually, the five blade wind turbines didn't cross the BETS limit as much. So that indicates that perhaps, oh, actually, no, let's, let's go back, rewind a little bit. The calculated power coefficient is lower overall for the five blade wind turbine, which means that the measured power coefficient also dropped as well a little bit, which means that we're not cr crossing the best limit as much as the three blade wind turbine. This holds true for both flow speeds of seven minutes per second and eight minutes per second. And again, even though this is a five blade uh, wind turbine, the other one's three blade, once they corrected their power coefficients, the, they became quite similar to the calculated power coefficients. They only really deviated once you got to very high uh, velocities of the, the um, wind turbine, so they were spinning very high. Uh, when I was spinning at low velocities, then you got a much more accurate result. So what this means is, in terms of the five blade is, um, the correction factor is good for the five blade and the three blade, it means that the increase in blade number makes the, um, makes uh, things less sensitive to the Reynolds number changes. Because at high velocities, the corrected pressure was quite good still. So let's sum this up. First of all, we talked about the wind turbines, their blockage ratios were obviously higher than most other applications. That is worse for wind turbines than a lot of other applications because it messes with the flow going through the wind turbine and you can break limits such as the best limit. So that's, we saw increases of 20% or 30% above what they should be. So they're more dramatic for wind turbines and blockage ratios and the blockage um, effects. So they wanted to determine how to correct for this. They said that the blockage factor decreases, they found, as the tip speed ratio of the wind turbine increased until a certain threshold, and then the value of the blockage factor became independent of the, the tip speed ratio, so plateaued, as I mentioned before. The constant blockage factor of about 0 0.88% 0 .8, 0 .88 or 88% gave pretty good values for both the three and the five blade rotors across 
tip speed ratios across um, velocities measured, free stream velocities measured. So that's quite robust. If you listen to that podcast number 39, where I talk about blockage ratios, you'll find that um, the blockage ratios are usually very different for different objects. So the fact, and for different conditions as well. So the fact that this is quite similar across these different conditions is quite impressive. And finally, they said that the Reynolds number was proven to have less effect on the wind turbine performance when you have greater numbers of effect compared to the three blade, uh, greater numbers of blades, sorry, compared to the three blade. So listen to this podcast, make sure to like, subscribe, check out other podcasts, show this to your friends and who are interested in wind turbines and other aerodynamic stuff. Check out our instrumentation we do here at Primax, check out the courses we do and check out the comments we do on. And check out the Amazon Hawk. It's a great device that everyone really needs. Every aerodynamicist needs. Links in the description. Peace out, amigos.